you're listening to the latest Scots We Hey podcast. And in this edition, I travelled to Bigger in South Lanarkshire to talk to writer and actor Pauline Lynch, a.k.a. P.K. Lynch. And you can find out the reason for that in the podcast. Um, we were mainly talking about her terrific debut novel, Armadillos, and you can read the Scots We Hey review of that over at the website. Um, but I wanted to find out how this book came around, the reasons behind setting it in Texas, uh, having the characters that she does, um, and also just where the initial idea came from. Um, so we chat about that, um, also about her time on the MLIC creative writing course at Glasgow University. Um, Pauline's had a fascinating life um, she was in the original Train Spotting, and has been in other critically acclaimed movies as well. And her time uh, in theatre uh, is just fascinating. Um, a, a global career in theatre, it's fair to say. Um, and we chat about lots of other things as well. I think the best thing to do is for you to listen to it, really. So, here it is. everyone and welcome to another Scots Way podcast and today we're down in Bigger to talk to Pauline Lynch. Hello Pauline. Hello. And we're here basically or firstly to talk about your novel Armadillos um, but you've had quite an interesting life so we'll talk some more about that later on if you don't mind but let's start with Armadillos. Um, it's your debut novel is that right? That's right yeah. Mm-hmm. So um, it's for those who don't know, it's set in Texas. It's based on the story of a 15-year-old girl called Aggie. And um, let's just start there. Why Texas and why Aggie is a central character? Well, I should probably say that the, the, the book started as a writing exercise and, and was never going to be any more than mm-hmm. a few thousand words, I thought. Um, and, and, and so with that in mind, I didn't apply the same kind of planning that I might have done, you know. Um, so I immediately gravitated to... We were given half a sentence right. in, in a writing class. And um, and my half sentence was, um, I am still a long way from home, but... So that gave me the idea straight away that somebody was moving away from home and uh, I finished it by saying... I'm beginning to feel I'm never going to be far away enough. Okay. So I knew it was somebody who was running away from something. Yeah. Um, so I decided to make that something really dark. She's running yeah. away from a, a very abusive family situation. And, um, and, and I, I put it into Texas because it's so huge and it's a good place oh, to run yeah. away in. Yeah. Uh, I, I figured she'd be able to disappear, fall through nooks and crannies and meet all sorts of different people. I'd never thought about that, but you're right. If you in Scotland, there's always this sense that no matter where you are, you'll bump into someone from your street or yeah. next door, all that. Yeah. Whereas, as you say, Texas, it's so huge. Yeah, yeah, absolutely vast. Uh, but I did actually make a big rod for my own back when I decided that I was going to keep going with the story because I had such a mountain of research that I had to do. Um, in terms of the psychological journey that she 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 had to go through and. Also, in terms of you know American language, American culture, sure. um, specifically Texas, and even just within Texas, 
the landscape changes massively depending on where you go. So there was a lot of work to do, but I loved it. I really enjoyed writing it. Did you manage to go over there to do a bit of researching? I did, I did. Um, I, I was at Glasgow Uni and um, I won a, a, a prize for a section of the book and uh, used that to Fantastic. fund a trip over there. It was amazing. It was it was a big step for me because I'd been a stay-at-home mum for a few years, you know, right. and uh, it was a big change from my everyday life to go over there on my own but uh, it was amazing it was absolutely amazing and I'd recommend it to anybody it's a fantastic place I I think it it really worked because the sense of place in the book is spot on it's really hot and and dusty and you know I mean even in um, even in the cities it's it's you get that feeling that everyone it just it works with the story because it makes you feel a little bit uncomfortable um, well, you say, you know, it's, it's a tale of someone trying to escape um, um, familial abuse, mm-hmm. sexual and psychological. Um, so what made you decide to kind of take that on? Because you make it very clear, I should say, at the end, it, there's an afterward where you talk about a sense of responsibility that you had in writing the character. Yeah. Um, so why did you decide to make what's obviously a difficult character to write about, a difficult subject to write about? Well, as I say, uh, there wasn't a lot of thought put into it initially. It was just, it was an instinctive thing where I thought she has to be running away from something Mm -hmm. really terrible. And I can't imagine many things more terrible than that. Um, In terms of the responsibility that I felt, that came as I was learning more and more about it. Yeah. Um, I I didn't want it to be gratuitous. I didn't want it to be exploitative. I wanted to try and make it... I didn't want it to be sensational yeah, either. Yeah. Um, I always wanted it to, to to reflect her truth. Yeah. Not saying that her experience is universal. No. Because everybody's experience is so unique to them. Um, but I, I did want to be careful not to um, kind of showboat it in a way. A friend of mine... Um, has a husband who's a psychologist and he had said that um, a lot of these, a lot of people who come through that kind of abuse, they never ever feel like they triumph over it, you know, they they don't emerge winners, you know, there's no romantic uh, coming to terms with everything and I'm a better person for all of that happening. Um, it's it's something that damages a person forever. Yeah. And the best that you you can do is learn to live with it. The the thing that struck me was that you gave Aggie a real and there's a, a, a um, historical context because it's clear that this isn't something which happens in isolation. There's a history there. There's a history to our family which kind of unravels <coughs> as the book progresses. Um, there's also the sense that. Yes, she's trying to escape this, but for the reasons that you mentioned, she might be able to physically escape it, but she just can't psychologically escape it. Um, and also what you say there about your ending had to feel true and not, for want of a better term, happy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think you, you managed uh, to do all of those things. Um, I mean, how, how did, without going into any details, but how did you approach... Um, how you were going to deal with the with the characters of the family in particular, or did that? 
Well, that's that's an interesting one because the the family dynamic there's the there's the father, and then there are the kids who are grown up kids. Yeah. Aggie's the youngest of them all. Yeah. Um, her sister Jojo, her brother Sai, and her brother Ash, and Ash ran away a long time ago, and there's definitely a, a sense of betrayal on Aggie's part because she feels that her sister Jojo, who she was so, so close with, mm -hmm. um, allowed it all to happen. And, and you know, Jojo is older. She could have taken a bit more responsibility. She could have stopped it happening. Yeah. This is Aggie's yes. point of view. But I wanted to, and that's all valid, absolutely. Yeah, of course. But I also wanted to look at the damage that had been uh, put on to Jojo yeah. as well, yeah. you know. Um, and, 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 and kind of look at how these people are just doing the best they can yeah. in the circumstances that they've got. Because it's really easy to to judge. Absolutely. Um, when you don't really know. And, and I wanted to kind of try and show a different side to it where Jojo does have a great deal of love for Aggie, but she was doing her best. Yeah. Um, Choices are extremely limited. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, and Aggie makes her choice to, to try and get away when, when, when that opportunity uh, arises. It, always seems, it also seems to me that, and certainly in the early stages of the book, but actually right throughout the book, Aggie has kind of started to realise not just what's been done to her, but who she is herself. And it's a really confusing time for her. Mm -hmm. She uh, um, she realises that she can uh, affect certain people, that she can act in certain ways to manipulate people. You know, mm -hmm. there's the scenes where she manages to get rides by blackmailing the various people that she gets into the cabs with. Um, in terms of Aggie as a character and her development, uh, how did you how did you decide to kind of move her in the right direction that she does? Hmm. I think I think she's just got a real spark, you mm -hmm. know. I think I think she is one of life survivors. I wanted to write a character who you feel hopeful for. Yeah. Um uh, she's gonna keep trying. But um but yeah, at the same time, she's she's dealing with everything that's happened to her. Um, she's yeah, you, you throw quite a lot at her for her to deal with. Well, that's the thing, you know. A, a lot of people who run away from terrible situations end up in really, really bad mm, situations yeah, I, I know, again. Absolutely. You know, uh, there's a line in the book where um, Aggie realizes that um, she makes friends with uh, with another girl, mm -hmm. and she says to this girl people like us are always going to end up on the street. We're always going to end up attracting the attention of bad people because we're easy pickings, mm -hmm. really. Um, so she does get a lot thrown at her, but it couldn't be any other way, I, I think. You know, if a street girl, mm -hmm. you know, she, she's got to be plucky and she's got to fight and, and scrabble to, to stay on top. She, as you say, she makes um, friends and she actually ends up in, I don't know, would you call it a commune or a... A squat or a commune, yeah. yeah uh -huh. um, and uh, which is a, you know, full of these fantastic characters, none of whom turn out to be, I think, stereotyped in any way. None, none of, they all have these hidden sides to them which slowly um, um, reveal themselves. Um, 
when you first meet them, they're often given one name, you know, like, oh, I can't remember your name, is it Beast? Beast Woman. Beast Woman. Mm. And, you know, so these really, like, well, you can judge what that person's going to be like, and then you get these wonderful sides which kind of reveal themselves, like making rubber armadillos, which mm-hmm. I think is a fantastic thing. Um, was that something that you were very wary of doing? That, you know, you had these people who could just have been one-dimensional, and like you say, you know, but they also do this. Mm-hmm. Um... Was I aware? I guess, yeah, you're writing characters. You want them to be interesting characters. Mm-hmm. You don't want them to be one-dimensional. I mean, that's no. kind of oh, one of the basic... Well, <laughs> yeah, I know, I know. I'm just interested how characters come to people. Mm-hmm. Because when we were doing our, uh, the podcast with Ian Maloney, he said one of the characters in his most recent novel almost came to him fully formed. Like, uh-huh. he knew what she did, he knew her background, he knew... And he, he that was the first time it ever happened to him. Uh-huh. And I'm just wondering how the characters come to yourself. Well, no, they didn't arrive fully formed. Um, often the Aggie, I think, arrived fully formed. Right. Um, but the rest of them, uh, they arrived, you know, I'd be writing something and and they'd turn up. And once they were there, I had to decide what they were doing there and uh, and who they were going to be. So it was very much a feeling my way with them. Yeah, because I just wonder if you think, well, here's this character and she is this, 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 or he is this, this and this. And then I just wonder, when do you decide, for instance, that um, a, one of the male characters is a Kennedy conspiracist, which was just a great little reveal, and you think, oh, I didn't see that coming at all. <laughs> well, that was partly to do with the research trip to, 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 to Texas. I went to Dallas. Was it full of Kennedy conspiracists? Oh, quite possibly. <laughs> I don't think I met any of them. I, I did meet a guy trying to sell me all sorts of... Um, uh, tea stained newspapers, you know, the, the, this was the original from the week that Kennedy was oh, shot goodness. and all that sort of stuff. So there is an industry <laughs> there. Um, but but it, it was just too good not to use the whole Kennedy tie with, with Dallas, you know, and, and, and that's kind of what the research was so brilliant for, was it did open doors of the plot and, and, and gave ideas for characters, you know. Um, and that was, that's the thing that I really loved doing was the surprises that came on board with the research, you know. And that same character is a Scot who's found himself in the States. Yeah. And what was the reason for doing that? Um, <laughs> I wanted to have, I wanted to have a little bit of myself in yeah, there, yeah, you yeah. know. Um, and also, I did have this one fantastic line that that I had had said to me when I was in the States a few years back where they said, where are you from? And uh, I said, oh, I'm from Scotland. And, and it was, oh my God, you speak you speak American over there? Yeah. <laughs> and I wanted to put that in, you know? And, um, so, yeah, those those were the, kind of the main reasons for it. I just wanted to have a little Scottish hook and I wanted to use that one line as well. The other character, um, I, I'm not going to divide them in along the, the times of like the men bad and women good because it's not like that at all. However, there's extra, on both sides there's extraordinary kind of kindness, but then there's extraordinary cruelty as well. Um, and often, even sometimes within the same character. Mm-hmm. Uh, was that something that, that kind of complexity was something that you hoped to bring out in your characters as well? Yeah, and I think it's a real thing, you know, um, particularly if you're talking about people who are right on the edge yeah. of, of society and they have their own health issues. Um, that, that and, and actually, it's true of all of us. Yeah. You know, none of us are 
a hundred percent of anything. No. Um, but I think with 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 those characters, it's just a little bit closer to the surface. I mean, yeah, yeah, under incredible stresses of just kind of surviving, almost mm -hmm. they come to the the, the surface. Mm -hmm. So Aggie, in, for instance, herself has you know moments where she would do anything to help certain people, and then other times. It's the reversion of, no, I need to look after number mm -hmm. one here, just as I have always done. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, without giving anything away, how did you decide that you were going to uh, move towards some... Because, I don't know if I should say this, I'm not going to say it, but uh, there becomes a moment where Aggie realises that she can't escape completely. Why? How did you decide you were going to deal with that? Well, again, that was to do with... Um, she spends a lot of the book running away from her problems and as you say she realises that she can't and she's got to go back and face mm -hmm. what she's run away from and um, it's to do with that thing we were talking about earlier about there not being a victor you know yes, she yes. thinks she's going to go back and she's going to sort these people out yeah. and put them in their place and she's going to walk away she's feeling invincible at this point in the book for reasons that I won't go into. Spoilers, yes. spoiler yeah. alert. Um, but she she does go through something and thinks that if she can survive that, she can survive anything, and why should she have this spectre of her past chasing her all yeah. the time? Um, and, and, uh, and, and it, yeah, it's to do with that thing of what happens when you face the thing that you're trying yeah. to get away from and things don't go exactly as you think they're going to go to. I mean, she... At the beginning, she feels that she has to escape, or that's the only thing open to her, and she has to find a way of doing it. And then, through meeting all these people and realizing she can deal in all sorts of different ways with all these people, that seems to be the strength of not it's actually the other way around. I've got to go and mm -hmm. I, can, I can deal with this, mm -hmm. so maybe I can go and deal with that. And mm -hmm. maybe that doesn't turn out the way anyone expects, mm -hmm. but that's what she has to do, yeah. And and actually, I think that her whole story within the book is such a tiny part of her life. You know, she's yeah. very young, and uh, and it's almost as though that is the first step in her becoming a strong woman yeah. who can actually live on a day to day basis in a healthy way. Um, there's going to be a lot more, but you definitely, I want there to be a real sense of. She's on a journey. Yeah. And that's just one little tiny part of a journey that's going to go on. And she's going to have other obstacles, and but she'll be a little bit better equipped to deal with them. I think what I took was that she discovers, because of how the characters are written and because they've got all these hidden sides to them and different emotional states, that um, people are not easily defined and they're not defined by one thing. And therefore, she's not easily defined, and she's not defined by this one thing, which I think at the beginning she maybe feels that that is going to define her. As you say, and it's the beginning of what goes on. Yeah, for I think that's follow. exactly right. Absolutely, it's not going to define her. Um, so you you said that you this started as a short piece mm -hmm. in a writing mm -hmm. course, um, and that was the creative effort at Glasgow. That's right. Know, was it so? Um, why did you decide to get into writing? Why become a writer? If you, or was it something you'd done all your life, or was? Yeah, yeah, I've written all my life um, from a little tiny kid. 
um, boring the pants off all any adult that would listen to me <laughs> with these short stories that I was writing and um, but I went into drama I, mm -hmm. I became an actor but um, even when I was doing that I was still trying to write we had to for our final thesis I, I, I tried to get them to let me write a play and they wouldn't because I was no good at it. So know? did you go to drama school? I yeah. sorry, I went to drama school down yeah. in London, Rose right. and, um And and it was always a, a side thing for, um, once I'd discovered drama and acting mm -hmm. and instant gratification and yeah. all that. Um, but after I had kids and my partner's an actor as well, it's just, it was so difficult to... To, to juggle it all and um, and I thought I'm going to stay at home for a while and that allowed me to really concentrate on acting and even applying for the MLIT course felt like a major step forward um, I really yeah. ummed and ad and phoned friends and yeah. I, I was anxious about it yeah you know? no I know many people exactly the same I've been lucky enough to know a few people who have done that course um, and nearly all of them say that this this is a big big deal mm -hmm. whether it's because you're going to have your writing judged almost in the way that you know an academic paper mm -hmm. would or something like that I don't know but a lot of people feel that yeah and I think also if you're if you're committing a serious amount of time and money to something then mm. clearly you're starting to take it seriously and yeah. if you're taking it seriously then people will then get the right to tell you that you're a bitch <laughs> <laughs> well that's it you got to, but you got to throw it. Out. But you must have had that uh, as an actor as well. Absolutely, which is I think one of the reasons why I was, you know, it's like, okay, with, that, with acting and auditions. I mean, you just go to so many and get so many uh, knockbacks and rejections. Mm. So the idea of you know taking on something else where that also happened <laughs> uh, was was just kind of this. Like the work of a mad woman, almost. You know? <laughs> but, but if you've got to do that sort of thing, you've got to do yeah. it, you know. And um, and 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 so I guess, like Aggie, you just keep jumping through the hoops, and it's always just a little step closer on your journey to wherever it is you're ending up, you know. So it sounds like your expectation was that it was going to be, um, not not a trial at all, but it it would be quite a tough thing. How was the reality of the course? Um. I really enjoyed it. I must say, I was. I was another reason I was nervous was because I'd been out of uni yeah. life for a long time, and um, I've never been particularly academic. And 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 the literary world does give off a sense of you know academia, and uh -huh. um, and and I wondered about was I just absolutely fooling myself here, mm -hmm. you know, and was I going to be a laughing stock when I got there, and um. I'm sure I was in certain quarters, but uh, but I loved it. I loved the the time that you had to dedicate to reading, you yeah. know. And I would leave my partner alone with the two boys and say, "Sorry, dear, I've got to go to the pub. I've got to read a book," <laughs> and it was perfectly legitimate. Yeah. And and uh, I, I, it was a real luxury of being able to just dedicate all that time to reading and writing, and 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 the constant writing, and knowing that you've got deadlines to meet every single week. Um, it's just a really good discipline. Yeah. Um, and I think that course in particular, I don't know if it's like other universities, um, it, well, it's, it's a very well thought of, but it's almost thought of as being separate from maybe the academic stuff because it is so practical. Mm -hmm. And, you know, um, mm -hmm. yes, you're getting judged, but you're coming up with stuff which mm -hmm. 
um, I think almost works. I might be wrong, almost in the way of a, a book group that would work. You know, like you, you're showing your peers your work, mm -hmm. you're getting honest feedback because you're giving honest feedback and yeah. all those things. Yeah. It seems to me that's almost as important as any mark that anyone you yeah. know, would give you. And, on, on, and that works on a few different levels as well, I think, because the other, the other thing that you learn is that everybody's feedback is very welcomed. Mm hmm but you don't have to take it all on board. Yeah. Um, especially when you start getting contradictory pieces of advice and that kind of makes you go, oh, okay, fine. So at the end of the day, I'm the one that has to make this decision. Well, exactly, so, exactly. So, and, and when you're just setting out and you don't really know very much and you're very, very eager to take all the advice you can get, you know? Yeah. So just to, to hit that wee wall and go, oh, I don't have to take all that advice. Yeah. I can trust myself a wee bit and go down this road, you know? So I have... I really recommend them, those courses. I think they're great. Obviously, not everybody can do them. No, no, shame. absolutely. Um, and I don't think they're a necessity by any stretch of the imagination because really what you're saying is true. They're like a, they're like a writing group. Yeah. And uh, if you can find a good bunch of people to, to, to have that level of support, then that's just as good, mm -hmm. I think. I think um, <clears throat> what they seem to sometimes give you, which is perhaps a little unfair advantage, is contacts of people who maybe have already been published or are really, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. That, I mean, that's like anything in life. Yeah, yeah. I find that that's a funny thing as well, um, the, the social side of it. And, you know, there's a lot of lit reading because writing's a really solitary yeah. task. But there's a real, especially in, in, in Scotland, there's a massive amount of lit events and spoken word events. Yeah. And... and <clears throat> And, and you kind of feel like you need to be joining in with all of them, but actually, at the same time, you don't want to, you know, because you do want to just be sitting on your own with a pen and a bit of paper. That's writing. interesting. I think that's interesting, because this has become increasingly, this is almost part of the job, for want of a better word, of the writer, is that they have to go out and sell the book. Mm -hmm. um, and what I mean by that is, almost perform. Mm -hmm. And some people... It comes very naturally. Too. Mm -hmm. I'm sure it comes naturally to yourself. I mean, you know, with your background. Some people it really doesn't. I always feel that in itself is a bit of a shame because if you start to say, well, part of this is for you to stand up and read in public and people aren't comfortable with that, it doesn't diminish the book in any way. Not at all. But it's difficult because events now seem to be Waterstones or um, increasingly there's less and less bookshops to do these things yeah. in. But I know you had your launch... Oh, I had it in road, bigger. Yeah, we've got an amazing bookshop here called Atkinson Price. Like, blatant plug there. I'm um, going to after this. Definitely. Oh, they're a fantastic bookshop, you know, they're amazing. They're really small, but they've got such a wide selection of stuff. In fact, we moved out to bigger just as I was starting that course right. at Glasgow Uni. And um, I had a reading list and I went into the bookshop. And I really didn't think I'd Aye. get any of it, you know. But they had about three quarters of what wow. I needed, you know. It was amazing. Um, and 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 they add so much to the town. They're always... And they gave me a launch, you know. When they heard that I was being published, they yeah. were so thrilled for me. They took over. They got in touch with the publisher. They organised everything. And they had... Uh, their, their display in their window yeah. was all to do with armadillos for a week or two, you know. Brilliant. And it was... Fabulous. More of that kind of thing. I mean, really, there's no reason why, you know, oh, it's that wonderful. can't survive. Yeah, well, absolutely. No, it's, it's wonderful. You know, and I love Waterstones. I do. Yeah. I love them. And I had an event there a couple of weeks ago and they were fantastic um, and so central and everybody can come. Um, but I think there's space for 
yeah. for both, it I think. Definitely is. Definitely is. Um, have you written anything other than fiction? Have you done any plays or any...? Yeah, well, when I first um, really started concentrating properly on writing, um, I was writing drama because I was an actor and mm -hmm. it just felt the most natural thing to do. Um, so I wrote one play, which I you know everybody says your first, your first sort of piece of work or your first book or whatever is all to do with the reflection of what's going on in your yeah, life at the time. Yeah. Well, I think I avoided that with Armadillos because I'd previously done it with a play that never saw the light of day, <laughs> thank goodness. And, uh, uh, and, and I wrote a, a play called King of the Gypsies, which was looking at the... It was looking at Romani people and, and what they have to face on a day-to-day -day basis. Um, and uh, that also involved a lot of research. And, you know, the, the, it was a single... It was a one-man show by a very talented actor he, who was playing the part. And uh, and he started off in India a thousand years ago. And um, it was him running through time. And his right, journey wow. reflected the, the journey of the Romani people throughout Europe. Uh -huh. And uh, it was fascinating to research it all. It was really, really interesting. And ended, how they end up in Britain as well. Um, do you still act? I have done. I've done a little bit this year. I don't seek it out. Um, I was I just wondering write. if now you've written uh, Armadillos and if you were still involved in a, that acting or theatre or, or, or film or whatever whether that was something you would maybe want to kind of take on Yeah I think so I think it's such a huge part of my life um, that I just like I like acting I love writing you know it's being creative it's it's doing stuff what I love about writing is that you're the boss when you're an actor you're not the boss you know yeah. you're you're very much part of something and and that's great if everybody's on the same page but if they're not it can be really dispiriting you know and and you can be attached to a project for a long time yeah. like that whereas with a book you know anything goes and um and it's once it's finished and you hand it over to your agent and your publisher and they start saying, what about this and what about that? I love all that because it's collaborative and that acting is completely collaborative. So yeah. for me, writing, you get a little bit of both. Sure. Um, was Armadillo something you could ever... Did you ever imagine that maybe someone might read it and think that could make a screenplay or something like that? Or did it never cross your mind? Uh, I think it would be a good screenplay, <laughs> surprisingly. I've had a few people say that they can picture it. I could picture it as a as a as a screenplay very yeah. easily. Um, and somebody's told me that I should just start writing it. Um, so maybe I will. Um, so on with Armadillos, your name is P. K. Lynch. Mm -hmm. On IMDb, it's Pauline Lynch. And in real life, it's Pauline Lynch. Who what, am I? Who am I? Why, why the PK? What was, the, what was that about? Uh, it's a gender-neutral name. Really? For That's a gender-neutral cover. This is the world we live in. Ah. Um, uh, I was asked, do I have a middle name? And I said, I'm afraid not. They said, well, can you come up with something? <laughs> so what does the K stand for? I just come up with K. K stands for Kernigan. Kernigan uh -huh. was my mum's maiden oh, name. Oh, fabulous. And, uh, and I love the name Kernigan. I think it's a really yeah, great it sounding name. And in fact, somebody said to me, why don't you just be Kernigan Lynch? <laughs> and I thought, oh, I love that. But it was too late by that point. <laughs> I couldn't do that. 
Um, Dermot Goodwin sounds a little bit like a friend of Ernest Hemingway's, like, you know, down the exactly. bottom. Exactly, <laughs> yeah, I could see myself as a friend of Ernie's. Um, but aye, that, that was the reason, it was gender neutral. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, a lot of people won't buy books by women. Well, that's interesting, because I've been told by a publisher not that long ago that um, men don't sell anymore. Is that right? That's, yeah. That's, so that's an interesting <laughs> well, thing. Well, well, so you've covered both bases. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, um, so going back onto your acting career, um, you were in a little film called Trainspotting. That's right. At one yeah. time. Uh-huh. Well, tell us a bit about that. Was that your first kind of job? Yeah, yeah. I was still a drama student. Um, and uh, somebody, a, a friend of mine in my year, told me, oh, there's auditions for this happening, you know. Um, why don't you get on to it? And uh, I'd been chatting to an, an, an acting agent at the time and said, do you know anything about this? And he said, yep, don't worry, I'll, I'll sort it out. And I went along and met um, Danny Boyle at the tobacco factory in Glasgow. Mm-hmm. They were having all the auditions along there. And um, I just got on really well with them. Yeah. And, and I, they offered me the job and I jumped for joy, obviously, yeah. you know. Um, but it was really, like, I had no idea what I was going into. Sure. I mean, I've, I knew the train spot and I'd yeah. read the book and all that, of course. But in terms of actually filmmaking, yeah. I had no idea. Um, I really was just there with my eyes wide open, taking in everything I could take in and, and just loving being in that environment because it was so, again, collaborative. Mm-hmm. Everybody is just there. Everyone's got the same goal and everybody was moving towards it. It was a really happy experience. Um, and uh, I had no idea that it was going to Yeah, that's what I was stellar. going to say. I mean, nobody would make a film to know it's going to be that stellar. But from, you know, a film based on a cult Scottish novel, and it was a cult Scottish novel, mm-hmm. you know, um, for it to go, to become the, kind of the defining film of Britpop, if you like, with mm-hmm. everything that goes with it. Mm-hmm. I mean, how did, how did yeah. you react to that? <laughs> Just it's just luck, isn't it? I yeah. mean, it's just sheer luck. It was just caught the wave. Yeah. You know, the, the timing was perfect for it, and um, and how did I react to it? Much the same way as I reacted to getting the job in the first place. Just eyes wide open <laughs> and taking it all in. You know, because Lizzie's not part of the main. The character I played was Lizzie, yeah. and she's not part of the main cohort. I mean, those the guys and Kelly got. A massive amount of sure all publicity, on the and, all yeah. That stuff, yeah. and I was I was very much on the sidelines mm-hmm. of all that. So it was more of a sit back and watch it in amazement rather than right. Okay, feel like I'm on this tempest tossed boat of fame. You know, it wasn't like that at all. And um, I mean, you've been on another few well known films like Fine Scotsman. Mm-hmm. By Graham Obrey's story, which mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm fascinated by Graham Obrey as a person. That really? Yeah, I just think he's a very complex and interesting. I I was quite into my cycling at that point, mm-hmm. and um, the way he would build his own bike and, yeah. you know, and go out there, a real driven yeah. character, but not in a particularly healthy way. I was thinking. Yeah. At the time. Well, thank God he had an outlet. <laughs> yeah, well, exactly. Yeah, and and beautiful creatures as well. You know? Aye, yeah. yeah, yeah. I get yeah. I guess I was just lucky, yeah, mm-hmm. really. Um, I loved it. It was fantastic. I did a lot of theatre work as well, which let me uh, yeah, tour. So, uh-huh. um, so what kind of stuff did you do in the theatre? Um, I did um, 
I, I was in the chorus of Medea uh, with Fiona Shaw playing oh, wow. Medea and Deborah Warner directing it and that was a West End job that lasted three months but then we went over to the States with it and it was supposed to be a wee seven week job mm-hmm. and we got a Broadway transfer so we, we toured around the States um, for for a few for a few weeks and then and then ended up on Broadway for, for three months. Fantastic. So we were over there for about five or six months in total. So I saw a lot of the states and I just I, I love it, you know. Yeah. It was fantastic and, and also living the high life, you know, you're on stage at night, especially in New York. I mean mm. all the famous people come to see the show. Al Pacino came, Dustin Hoffman <laughs> came. I mean, absolute you know, you'd just fall down at their feet. Yeah, people, yeah. you know. Um so that was all amazing, and uh, yeah, probably in the audience going, "Is that Lizzie from Trainspot?" <laughs> I'm sure, I'm sure, yeah. <laughs> uh, but aye, so it was fab, and um, and I've done some uh, kids theatre as well, mm-hmm. which um, a, a company over here called Catherine Wheels, who, right. who are lovely people to work with. If any actors listening, if you can work with them, do. Um, the and and those jobs. You know, Australia and, and China and, and Singapore. Fantastic. I know, and I would never have gone to those places yeah. had it not been for being an actor, you know? So I feel really, you know, I look back on it it's now. Ah, yeah, because now I'm, I'm, I stay at home, I've mm-hmm. got the two kids, I've changed, I don't know how many nappies in my life. Um, and, and looking on that, it's a completely different part. Of my life, my kids know nothing about it. Yeah, and uh, I probably wouldn't be impressed if you told. Oh God, no, not in the slightest. <laughs> um, and and you think you look back and you go, God, that was something. Mm. You know, it was. It was terrific. And uh, I noticed that because this is how simple my research is, but I noticed that your last entry in IMDb is Outlander. Is that right? Yeah. <laughs> so talk about the phenomenon that is Outlander. Oh, I had a tiny little part in Outlander. Uh-huh. I can't talk about the phenomenon that's Outlander because no. I was only there for a couple of weeks. Um, it's huge. Though. I think a lot of people in Scotland don't realise how massive Outlander is. I think that's right over in the states because I'm friends with Sam who who plays um what's the main character's name? Oh, is it Robbie? But anyway, and. Uh, and every now and again, he posts something on Facebook where you go, oh my God, he's absolutely huge. I think he led the, the New York parade on St. Patrick's yeah. Day or something like that, you know? You go, wow, that is phenomenal. It is absolutely massive. I know. But it's not on terrestrial TV. Terrestrial here, TV so, here, I know. Yeah, you have to buy the box set, and I don't think any people are doing that. But yeah. it really is, especially in the States, I think, it's become huge. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um... So what, in terms of your writing, um, have you got any plans for what you're going to do next? Are you still kind of dealing with armadillos? No, I'm, I am working on my next book, um, which is set a bit closer to home this time. Um, it's, it's set in Scotland. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's going to be between Scotland and London, because uh, I spent a few years living in London as well. Um, and it's similar themes, so looking at families. I'm really interested in family dynamics and how the situation that you're just plonked into, that you've had no choice over, yeah. and how it how it shapes your life. And, I and think that's interesting, yeah. I've always been interested in that, and I think there's no shortage of stories from situations like that. So that's kind of where I am at the moment. Well, again, going back to Armadillos, I thought the family dynamic there, there's this ideal, you know, whether you want to call it a nuclear family or whatever, but the idea of what family life should be, you know, that it should be protective and that people should... 
love one another and you know mm-hmm. and all that's instinctive and it's mm-hmm. kind of taken for granted mm-hmm. and of course Argy's family are as bit as far away from that as you could well actually yeah they are, it's very complicated and without wanting to simplify it but on a single reading you would say well look what's happened here but that's true there are plenty of families where it's just you know people might not get on or they don't yeah. love each other and, they yeah. don't, and you're right people just get plonked in the middle of it yeah. and say here you know meet this new person and yeah. this is going to be your brother and you know yeah. hope you get on and all these yeah. things and that issue of what is abuse as well because we've all got, you know there's very yeah. clear behaviors that can be classed as abuse but i think what's also as important to look at is the emotional abuse mm. that a lot of people and I think the Scottish government of recent or is it the, the Westminster government have just made it it's it's now emotional abuse is now recognized as a as a crime right. now. Yeah. But but it's it's shades of grey and yeah. where where does that just become where, where does a, a kind of minor character flaw yeah tip over tip over into something that's damaging. Yeah, because people might not uh, be meaning to hurt people, but you know that. But they do, and they cause damage. What? Where do you draw the line? You know, it's yeah. very complex. So, how far have you got on with this? Your your next piece. Uh, well, just at the very beginning. Or? It's got to be. It's got to be handed into my publisher. Ah, that's when deadlines are coming. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so it's due in at my publishers in January. Um. That's as much as I can say about That's fair it. Because uh, you don't know how when you're writing a no. novel how what's how it's going to change, you know. So, sure. so it's happening. It's it's on the road, but I've got no idea how it's all going to end up. And uh, just to, to round off, um, who, as, as in terms of novelists or other writers, who who are your influences? Who you can, can look up to? Well, do you know at the moment I just love Maggie O'Farrell. I discovered mm-hmm. her quite late, so yeah. I've been reading a lot of her books close together, sure. and and I love her writing. It's so soulful. I love mm-hmm. it. Um, Tony Morrison, I love. Yeah. Um, I've spent quite a long time reading all the Patricia Cornwell books right. as well. I I seem to go through phases of really enjoying a thing at mm-hmm. a time. Um, yeah, I don't understand been... that. You read one and you think, well, I want to. You know, yeah, and Ian McEwan. I loved yeah, a lot of his yeah, Pretty yeah. earlier stuff as yeah. well. And um, Sebastian Fox. I, I loved his bird song. It's really, really stayed with me. Um, but all sorts, really. All yeah. sorts and everything. Jeanette Winterson. I've read a lot of Jeanette Winterson stuff yeah. as well. Um, I love the. I like, I like poetry. I like poetry and, right. and prose. Um, and I like you do write any poetry yourself? Oh, it's been known, but it's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's not recommended. <laughs> <laughs> That's very honest of you. Um, well, Pauline, I think we'll call it a, a day there. Thanks so much for talking to us. Not at all. Thanks very much for having me on. And uh, we'll be back uh, very soon with someone completely different. Cheers. So that was the latest. Scots Way podcast and I hope you enjoyed listening to it as much as we did recording to it, we had a great day um, what's happening next? We don't really know but I'm sure it'll be someone equally as interesting um, next time round it's as much a surprise to you as it is to us see you next time and thanks for listening <laughs>